Hello! Welcome to the next episode of the Stuff Meeting Podcast, where we talk about all the stuff. All the time. It is the 10th episode. Episode 10. What a milestone. Who thought we'd come this far? The big one right. zero. Yeah, and the amount of money we've made from this is unbelievable. But even more valuable than money. You know, minds have been opened, hearts have been softened, conversation has flowed like a river without a dam. And uh, we've made, we made it through episode 10. Uh, hello, Phil. Hello, Ben. How are you doing? Oh, yes. Very well. Thank you. Um, got a, another special guest today. Absolutely correct. We An sure do. An avid listener. Another avid listener yeah. uh, to the pod. Yeah, contributing, as you say, to the uh, upcoming problems we're going to have with the tax man because of how much we're making from doing this each week. <laughs> but... Um, but today, uh, uh, I guess very, uh, very excited for today's guest, because sometimes in life you have friendships that you think you could have easily passed by. And I feel with, with sites, guess I could have easily passed by my relationship with, uh, with Vish. We basically we lived together. It, it, basically, this is how it started. We went, I went out for a night to a pub at university with Vish and his housemates to catch up. One of the guys who was living in the house with them needed somewhere else to live. Uh, or no, he was going for a year in industry, so he was leaving. And then Vish and his housemates very kindly asked if I would, and I don't know if it was out of politeness, if I would take up the spare room. <laughs> now, it might have just been, you want to come because you're here. But what was really awkward was I took it. I took them up on it. I lived with them third year for the year. But about three weeks after, the guy who was moving away for the year, he wasn't moving away anymore. And he ended up living <laughs> on his own down the road. <laughs> <laughs> But, but that being said, I, I got to meet Vish and um, his, his lovely partner, and we're still friends. So uh, that's just a little bit of an introduction as to how we know him. Vish, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit more for us? Hello, hello. Yep, um, I'm Vish. And yeah, what a great year that was in uni, man. Top. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a teacher, a primary school teacher in my sort of late 20s, I guess. Uh, um, yeah was that a sigh I at the end of that bitch yeah <laughs> i i've actually gotten to the point you know i start thinking like, how old am i and i sort of forget before like you know i can't immediately bring it to mind and it used to be something that i thought you know I, yeah. I just used to be kind of important but now it just doesn't seem oh great um and uh do you enjoy teaching yeah, I really do. Yeah, yeah. it's a primary it's school. Weird at the moment, but yes, of course. Um, yeah, I love you know, I love the love the little conversations you get to have, the sort of scary but cool responsibility. It's great. Constant fear that the one sentence you shouldn't say is the only sentence remembered from that day. God, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like, I'm always worried that I'll accidentally swear or something as well. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's actually yeah. doing online learning i was i was teaching and i was right at the end of a call with just like one-on-one -on -one call with the student and um and kate walked in kate my partner for anyone who doesn't know walked in the door and uh we just don't, got new cats and the cat the cat just dropped a thing on the <laughs> such good time. timing <laughs> the cat is a comedy genius <laughs> oh my god Right. What's the cat done? This is terrible podcast behaviour. <laughs> no, he's got a cupcake. Ow, oh God. Fish <laughs> is currently fighting with his cat in the kitchen, yeah. trying to get a cupcake wrapper out of his mouth. <laughs> oh, man. He knew he was being talked about. Oh, man. That's comedy right. gold. I'll, I'll clean that. <laughs> I'll clean that. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I, uh... He's got a cat. Yeah, we got a cat last. We got two cats last August. Oh, nice. To just why not? It was during yeah. lockdown, and we really wanted cats, and it seemed like a good time to raise them. And apparently, we didn't do a very good job at all. So, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. What was I no, even saying? Yeah, the cat nearly ran out, and uh, yeah. Kate very loudly swore. <laughs> it was like <laughs> right. <at the> <laughs> And luckily, we record all the one-on-one -on -one calls because of uh, reasons. So I checked. Yeah. 
the call and it was fine at the end. I, I cut it off just in time. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, I've had some close calls, I guess. Mm. Oh, brilliant. Well, it's a pleasure to have you, Vish. Good to have you. Very nice to see you again. Yeah. What have you... In fact, let's just kick straight off with uh, changing our mind, don't we? So, uh, Vish, we'll start with you. Something that you've changed your mind all over your life, big or small. Go for it. Cool, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I had a couple of things, really. I Like some small things. But the thing... I think mainly is something that not, it's not necessarily something I've fully changed my mind about yet, but it's like something I want to change my mind about. Like my mind wants to change, but I'm near, I'm like in the process. Yeah. Um, right. So, you know, Spotify. Yeah. Music, you know, I, I, I've listened to Spotify. I've used Spotify rather for a long time for about, since about 2011. So about like that long. And I think it's great. <laughs> Because it's let me find lots of new artists and songs. And, you know, it's just great for discovering new things. Mm. But I feel like it really, really doesn't help me form, like, any personal sort of connections with the artists. Right. With an album, like a full album. Yeah. What I do is I put the Discover playlist on, like, the and the algorithm gives you, 30 songs, most of which are kind of mediocre, but there's always like one and I take out the one and I put it in my playlist. I've got like 11 of these playlists over the past 10 years with all the like good Discover Weekly songs that I've got. Mm-hmm. But it's just too easy. Like it's too easy to hear a song and it's yeah. really good. And like, and it's immediately good. You know what I mean? And you yeah. don't really need to put the effort in to like, to get into it. Whereas before I had Spotify or before I even had an iPod and it was just CDs, I buy the CD and I listen to it, and like he, even in the middle songs, like the filler songs, mm. I'd, I'd still listen to it. I, I spent a tenner on it, and I want to get my yeah. my, my worth, my money's worth. So I'd put more effort into actually trying to like the songs. I think, and I feel like Spotify is kind of taking that away. I'm just, I'm not saying I'm gonna give up Spotify, but I'm trying to like I'm maybe gonna carve out some like serious album time or cd yeah. time. is there been an artist that you have found that you've then delved into that artist and like found out yeah. more about them? like there, there've been there've been a few artists where i've done that like there's like, there's a band called red gold green who are like this sort of rock group from washington and then off off of that i don't know there's another there's an artist called marika hackman and there's i like there's a few which i've got into but it's just then, it's just so easy to then slip back. Oh, I know that playlist good because, you know, it's just got yeah. all this songs. Yeah. I just end up listening to those like over and over again. And I don't know, I feel like mm-hmm. I'm just not committing enough to to like open open myself up to new genres and new right. things that I don't like straight away, you know? Yeah, that's, that's, so, that's good. That is good. So kind of maybe more, a ch- you've noticed a change of behavior rather than I thought this. And now I think this, and this is why more, I used to do this and now I'm doing this and uh, yeah. you've noticed it. That's interesting because I've noticed with things like TV, I'm, cause I'm the same. Like I'll listen to a few artists through a playlist, listen to maybe two or three songs and think, okay, the rest of them I'm not that interested in cause I'm not putting the time in to, to listen to the whole thing. Like you say, but with TV, I feel like my tolerance for watching filler is growing so much of Netflix shows that they go on for like episode, like it feels like hours longer than they need to. And I would never have sat down and watched 15 episode or 15 hour TV show before. Maybe it's during lockdown, but with music, my patience is not there. Yeah. You just, you don't just sit and listen through to a, an album, do you? And they're so often built to listen through um, maybe less so now perhaps because of how we listen to it. But yeah, the, unfortunately it might be the beginning of the end for the album. Um, well, hope not. Hopefully not. LPs coming back in, aren't they? People get record players and listening through to those, aren't they? That's coming back. People have to that, do that I, bit. I've got like, I think I've got four vinyls upstairs mm. and no vinyl player. Oh, mate, if you just put it you fit on your finger and spin it, put your other finger underneath. Thank you. Yeah. It does take you places, though. When I think about albums I've listened to, I think it takes me back to being like 15-year-olds getting on the train. Yeah. Going to meet up with uh, my wife. Well, she was my wife at the time. She was my girlfriend. 
I enjoyed bits. Of our old car was we only had the CD player, so you'd listen through the CD through. And I remember that the most recent album I listened all the way through, and I absolutely loved it. Was um, a couple of years ago, it's Mumford and Sons' new Delta one, and I absolutely loved. I absolutely loved it. It was quite different to what the I felt quite different to the normal vibe. But I listened through, and I enjoyed every song one after the other. And that was yeah, I loved that. And I was driving along a lo- on a long drive. Like it's a that. good one. We've we've actually got that one on vinyl. So there we go. Have you? Yeah, there and it's go. it's very good. It's worth listening to all the way through that one. Great. Oh, nice one, Bish. Oh, do you want to bring up another one, Bish? We've never done that before. Yeah, you. You I mean, what are the? I wrote some things down, but they're like it's just small things, really. Um, yeah. What else? A lot of them are music oriented. Let's see. Things I've changed my mind on. Just, John Mayer. Sorry, Vish. I just said, j- listener. Vish is um, a very talented guitar player, so uh, the mm. the music, the musical link is very, uh, very. Can fair. we check out any of your stuff anywhere, Vish? I've got, yeah, I've got a SoundCloud, I guess. Which oh, nice. you know, I, I put stuff on there. I mainly just do it to distract myself. I don't know uh, why I put. Them. I think my top Vish- list song is about twenty people. <laughs> right, it is about to skyrocket. <laughs> oh yeah, let me let me get the plug in. <laughs> when lockdown is over, Vish, when Vish comes to visit, he gets up early and he plays guitar, which is great because he's very good at it. But my wife just goes, Oh, I wish you could play guitar. But uh, if anybody wants some really good guitar being played in the morning, hit Vish up. He'll come and stay at your house and do it for you, won't you, Vish? Yeah. <laughs> Go on, Vish. John Mayer. Oh, uh, yeah. No. Uh, what was it? Yeah. I used to think he was a bit of a, just a bit of a knob to be honest. I don't know why. It, it was for really no reason at all. I, I think I just heard someone that I like respect say, oh yeah, that John May is a bit of an odd, isn't he? And then I kind of saw some interviews that he gave and he seemed like, you know, a so-and-so, but started trying to be a bit more accepting of things. And I've listened to more John Mayer now and he's like, he's not bad. And he oh, seems really? to, seems to be an actually nice guy. So that was just a little thing. But on the subject of waking up early, actually, waking up early was on my list. I absolutely love waking up early now. Oh, that's a good that is, mate, that is so weird that you said that. Is it? Have you, so are you the same opinion? That's, that, that's my one for this week. Ah, no. <laughs> yeah. No way. You boys been texting. I love waking up early. It's so good, though, isn't it? Like, I started oh. doing it in the first lockdown, and... I just have time. Like I have time to have a coffee, have some breakfast. And like, because it was lockdown, I wasn't commuting anywhere. And it's just like this. Oh, it was great. I don't know why it was like having no commute just made it so much easier to wake up early. I don't know why that was, but I've just tried to keep it up and it's just great. I guess so much done that first Mm -hmm. hour when I wake up, like I feed the cats, have a coffee and it's just so great. That's a lot. Early to bed, <laughs> early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Benjamin go. Franklin. There we go, boys. Oh wow! I do. It's just I. Yeah, I've got to agree, Vish. I'd really um, and I do think part of it could be maybe. Oh, nice. Could be biological. Maybe there's some um. Biology behind. Early. Actually, no. I don't. I don't know anything about that. I don't know why I'm saying that. But um, like waking up earlier. If you wake up early at the same time every morning, you get into that habit. I think it's great. Like you said, get up, have a coffee, have a bit of a read uh, before the day kicks off and then bish, bash, bash, off we go. And I didn't used to be. I used to take any any chance, any reason to wake up in the morning was bad. Like on the weekends, it's great to just like line in. That's fine. I mean, but I think during the week, as a teacher as well, I really used to struggle with workload and getting stuff done up until even like last year, but... It's fine. I'm finding it much easier to wake up earlier, actually, and just do things in that time. It's just something, I don't know, I guess it's personal to each person, but it works for me. There we go. Thanks, Bish. There we go. I reckon it's time for the news. Shall I kick us off? Sounds good. I found uh, something that I found quite humorous. The headline is, Dozens change name to Salmon to get sushi deal in Taiwan. And uh, so basically, loads of people in... Loads of people. I'm amazed it's made the news, because it only says dozens of people. Um, 
have changed changed their name in Taiwan um, to Salmon to take advantage of a restaurant's promotional deal for an all you can eat um, meal. Um, if your name has got salmon on your ID card. Um, so unfortunately, the officials who do this had to plea that uh, people would stop doing this uh, because it was basically costing the, the government money they didn't need to spend and taking up valuable time from important jobs that actually need doing. So names like Salmon Rice Bowl, um, <laughs> others included Salmon Prince, Meteor Salmon King, and Salmon Fried Rice. So, um, <laughs> hang on, hang on. So they, they only needed to have the name salmon included. That's all they needed. <laughs> Why are they also changing it to salmon fried rice? <laughs> um, one guy who did this managed to eat $460 worth of sushi in one Ooh. go. <laughs> and uh, after he did that, he said, I don't think we'll want to eat salmon again for a while. <laughs> So My question is, how how easy is it to change your name? In this is it. Are they just like are they just printing off these ID cards? What's happening? Well, the the officials did also issue a reminder that names can only be changed legally three times. So uh, they put that out <laughs> there just in the case you keep yeah. trying to change it. So this is so that's two times, isn't it? Because I'm guessing they're changing the name back. Yeah. So <laughs> Well played, guys. Favorite, Brilliant. My Brilliant. favorite line of the uh, government official was, I hope everyone could be more rational about it. <laughs> uh, so there you are. That's the BBC journalism. I mean, that's, well, that's the peak of the news. Everything else is going to be rather boring <laughs> after that. Oh, man. That's so short sighted, isn't it? Two of your three name changes just for like a really full belly, a good meal, and that's yeah. it. $460 worth. <sighs> If McDonald's, if McDonald's did it, oof, I would be, I'd be Big Mac and chips in no time. I think I'd, uh, I'd be a double quarter pounder. Ooh, right, we need to stop talking about the food. Um, this is a bit more. I say a bit more. Is more serious, I think, than the salmon. I don't know what the best word to describe it is really, but following on from the discussions that we're currently having in the UK about male violence towards women, I think is probably the best way to phrase it. The police are going to be required to record crimes motivated by hostility to women. So Home Office Minister, I'm reading this from The Guardian, listeners, uh, Home Office Minister has basically explained that they want to start collecting, when the police go out to certain calls, data on whether a crime has been when a crime has been committed whether it has been motivated by misogyny so they want to start tying in this is and this bit isn't new this has been a thing for a while they want to start tying misogyny into hate crime laws that already exist but they're now saying at the moment the discussion will be about whether police are expected to record whether misogyny was a motivating factor in a violent crime which raises all sorts of different questions about how that's to happen from what i can gather from what this minister has said i think her name is susan williams they're going to record it on the basis of whether the victim believes that misogyny was a motivating factor in a violent crime being committed i'm just going to put it out there for discussion because that is a pretty big or significant change i would argue yes yes yeah. so you don't get distracted by you're not at all suggesting that misogyny is not a thing but rather, it's more about the idea of a victim being able to, if they felt like something has been motivated by something, therefore, that's what it's motivated by. Exactly, yeah. Because it's a dangerous claim, isn't it? I think when you're talking about like what somebody feels in the moment, and also like that victim, I guess, reading, I don't know, reading the perpetrator's actions maybe i don't know it's it's a very like it's a very gray sort of thing isn't it definitely it definitely is i'm just gonna so this is what they're talking about it being on an experimental basis but they're going to ask police forces to record and identify any crimes of violence against the person where the victim perceives it has been motivated by a hostility based on their sex so uh, end quote so okay that is it is when you say gray area that is I don't know how you navigate that 
well i mean i don't think it's possible to because if you even remove the say male female element in terms of how it's being put across if i was physically assaulted and i assumed that it was by a, a man who maybe would hate men i mean that seems to be a possibility even if it seems a bit silly yeah. it seems like a slippery slope if my perception is you've hurt me because you are hostile to a certain characteristic of mine, sorry. Yeah. There's a lot of questions to be answered about how you're going to put that into place and have that be done. Are they going to check with the attacker or like the person as well? Like, are they going to, surely that would be the case as well. If mm. they were. And yeah. how does it, how does it then affect the way they're dealt with afterwards? Is there, is it a different punishment can be different. Is it just so that we know, so that we can tackle misogyny? I don't know. So from what has been said, it's about it, it will inform longer term decisions once we've considered the Law Commission's recommendations. And I think that is the recommendations refer to, I think, the idea of misogyny being made a hate crime. So right. it just comes like there are so many questions there that seem impossible to answer. So, like what con what constitutes misogyny? In terms of people's actions mm -hmm. how can you definitively prove what is motivating a person to do something in a particular mm -hmm. moment how will it be done accurately and then what do you do if you have determined that it's been motivated by misogyny it's a slippery slippery slope i think and yeah. in my previous career as a social worker we would work with police all the time who'd been called out to domestically violent incidents and you'd work with people that you, you know, you would be pretty sure were hostile to women, say, were misogynists or were hostile to to, to homosexuals and were, were homophobic in terms of what homophobic, I guess, would, would actually mean or what it's supposed to mean. So you would work with people that you were pretty sure on a personal level, I think they've got some deep rooted prejudice against a group. But mm -hmm. then it's how are you supposed to act in relation to that person based on what I think is the case in a fair way? Because that's what we need really is, is a fair system. And that's not, oh, well, let's try and protect people who are evil or who aren't very nice. But just in terms of, it's a very, very dangerous game to start building criminal, I, oh, so I guess criminal proceedings or criminal processes onto the foundations of someone's perception of what someone else has done because of mm. how they think. I mean, how do you, you how do you claw that back? Mm. You can't. <laughs> but straight to the point, I like that, Ben. And I think this might sound a bit cheeky. I don't even know. I'm not necessarily convinced at this stage. We'll see what more information comes out on it, I guess. How it would even necessarily make it make people safer. It depends what they do with the information that they gather. But how after the event, asking someone, do you think they were motivated by this reason? How does that stop the event from happening? It would just be, how are you going to use that information? And with the questions that we've already kind of posed, it seems going to be very difficult to use that information effectively. Is there like an extra penalty? Like say, say it was domestic abuse and then also it was found as a hate crime. Is there like an extra, there would be an extra sort of consequence there, wouldn't there? Is that the? Not not sure at the minute. Um, it it might well be, and you'd imagine that that would be the case yeah. eventually, but it seems at this stage it would be a case of kind of recording things. But it gets very messy when you start recording things on a criminal system about people based on the perceptions that have motivated the actions, and not mm. just the actions that have been undertaken. Because mm. yeah. I mean, surely what's going to be dealt with we deal with the fact that it's violence and not tolerating the violence and punishing the violence. You know, the violence is the issue, whoever it's towards the fact that the vast, vast majority of violent attacks are perpetrated by men on, you know, on not solely women, mainly against other men. We need to deal with the violence and, and be trying to find ways that we can, stop it happening and I don't know how how we do that I think at the point where a crime is like at the point where a crime has happened and someone's actually been violent towards another person there's like 
there's only so much you can do with the motivation behind it. Isn't mm. Surely when you're talking about misogyny and things like that, you've got to be talking about education and mm. actual societal beliefs, I guess. Yeah. 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 It seems as a society, we're no longer just concerned with how people act. We're concerned with how people think. So it's not just you've punched someone in the face and that's bad. It's you've punched someone in the face, that's bad, but also you did it because you hate a particular group of people. Now, mm. I would rather, I would much, much rather that people didn't hate people full stop and that wasn't an issue, but people do. You do get, you know, you do get evil people who hate people for, for no good reason and they can be bitter and all the rest of it. But if we're going to start getting into the world of these are the acceptable thoughts, these are the acceptable ideas, these are the acceptable views of other people that you can hold. If you deviate from these, then we're going to be looking at recording that somewhere via the police. I mean, that's already mm. the case in yeah. the hate crime yeah. legislation in, in a number yeah. of ways, whether there, there are certain things that people might like about those things or not really. But yeah. who because the question always comes to be, well who decides who's who's going to give us the definition of misogyny that will constitute whether you've committed a criminal offense or not that we can then take action on and when does that not become we're going to put you in prison because you have said something against a group of people or to an individual and they've perceived you've done that because they are mm-hmm. uh, a woman or or a man yeah. or a christian or a muslim yeah. for example got another good example kind of building on what we're saying that I've learned this week on the this was actually on the um the CBBC news website. So this is for the kids, kids news for them to read, where it teaches them um about microaggressions towards other people. It's a lady, a social media influencer, and a cancer scientist, who uh, I'm not going to say her name because I don't want to pronounce it wrong. Um, and it's an article about I've been unhappy with people mispronouncing names. And she talked about her experiences with microaggressions. And then it gives this definition for the youngsters. This is when someone says or does something, either intentionally or unintentionally, which communicates negative attitudes towards one or multiple members of particular groups. For example, those belonging to an ethnic minority. An example of a microaggression could be someone mispronouncing another person's name wrong on purpose or not making an effort to learn a person's name, even when they've been corrected. So my worry, a potential worry is that as we begin to enforce our motives of crimes, then we're going to end up having to enforce punishments for things like these microaggressions of kind of thought and what we're saying. And again, the perception of the other person. It's very easy to mishear something and say it wrong. So... Just um, Come on. a microaggression. The microaggression is against the person who feels it, or or I would cause a microaggression by doing something that's upset you. Yes. Okay. Right. I would be the recipient of your microaggression. Okay. I don't think you can be microaggressive. Mm. That's because that's going to be my question. It's very <laughs> difficult to get the terms into an understandable format into which right at least i know i'm not doing this because I, I wouldn't want to go out my way to give someone a microaggression obviously i don't know just like little little behaviors that build up a build up a kind of that show that you have a negative attitude i guess is that what that means to a certain thing like it's not towards towards like strawberry ice cream but whenever you hear Whenever you taste vanilla, you pull a face, and that face is your micro vanilla. Right. That I feel like that's a much more that's a much more easily understandable view of it. I would think, Vish, with my basic, you know, dunce brain. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that. Like I've, 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 I think I've dealt with quite a lot of people getting my name wrong for most of my life. Vish, what, what's your surname, Vish? It is Amara Singh. Great for primary school kids. Yeah. <laughs> actually, you know what? I, I yeah. encourage them, and I don't know whether this is actually a good thing. I encourage them to call me Mr. A. It uh, probably isn't a good thing at all, actually. I should probably stop doing it. But especially just... when they say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> what a classic. 
Um, yeah, yeah. No, I'd, I, maybe I should stop doing it. Is it? How, so, how do you feel if, when someone mispronounces your name? Um, I kind of just gloss over it, to be honest. I mm. once, and m- much to the amusement of my, my group of friends, my from school, my teacher from it was my head of house actually from year seven till year eleven, I think. He called me Vishan. So my full name's Vishantha and everyone shortens it to Vish. But somehow this man like added this, the extra Vishan onto it. And literally the whole of my school, he'd still call me that now, I think, Vishan. <laughs> and I just never had quite had the like courage to correct him. Because <laughs> 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 he was like, you know, head of house and everything. So I kind of just went with it. But yeah, I don't know. Kind of just gloss over it. I don't... Mm. I don't feel particularly bad when I think back to all the time someone's mispronounced my name. I don't want to think, you know, go send them to jail, those horrible people. It's just (laughs) sometimes, sometimes, you know, when you read something, like, for example, Hermione in Harry Potter, right? For the longest time, I pronounced her name wrong when I said it out loud. All the films, and then (laughs) I said it right. It's difficult sometimes, I don't know. It's interesting, isn't it? Because that element of grace is a really important thing of people probably aren't doing it almost certainly aren't doing it to upset someone but at Mm. the same time they can and should make the effort to make sure they're saying your name correctly so so my wife has a name that's not a standard i guess british name in in lots Mm -hmm. of ways Uh, her family from zimbabwe and it's a very easy thing to do to spend a little bit longer with someone say am i saying your name correctly because I want yeah. to. When people say it wrong, she doesn't think, like I, I imagine, as you, you, well, from what you've just said, Vish, she doesn't think, oh, they, they're trying to wind me up or they don't care who I am as a person. But it, it can, can be both ways, isn't it? A bit of grace when someone does make a mistake and put the effort in to say people's names properly. It goes a long yeah. way, doesn't it? There, there are things I think about that people do without knowing that I find a bit... I don't know if I think upsetting is probably the right word, but it's not my place to go around and tell people what to say. I remember when I started in one job, they very it was good actually. They asked, "Is there anything that thing that we can do to kind of make you feel a bit more comfortable in the office sort of thing?" Which was great, and everyone put things together. And I I'd never thought of it before. And I remember thinking, if there's one thing actually, um, people use so Jesus's name a lot as a, as a swear word, and I remember I'd never thought about raising this with people for whatever reason before, but I remember thinking, well, if you're asking if there's anything, I think someone had done it around me in the office as I was thinking about what I could say. And I thought, to be honest, if people could not use Jesus' name to swear word, I would appreciate that, that because I, I worship Jesus. So that would be nice. And people did respect that. And it was really nice. And it was actually a moment of, I'd never really realized that had been something I would bring up. And I don't, it doesn't fall into the category, I don't think, of a, I think, of a, a microaggression. But it was just one of those interesting things of, there are things that go on around you that people do that they could change, but it's not an obligation for them to change. I think that's the important thing, isn't yeah. it? It's nice to make adjustments and it's important to make adjustments to be loving and kind to people. It is not kind or loving or good to start getting the police or the state to oversee changes that you want to see in place. I think that's the important thing, isn't it? Yeah. Good. Well said. Thanks, Ben. For so, once. For once. Fish, have you got any news? Well, I heard this bit of uh, this story about Aretha Franklin. I saw it on the BBC. The National Geographic are making a series about her life. Right. And her family are not very happy with it. Apparently, they hadn't been consulted about the making of it and they despite attempts to get in contact with the makers they'd been kind of rebuffed and so they i think they're kind of assuming that within this series there is some sort of things which perhaps may not be so flattering and not so respectful to the great right. Aretha franklin so they're they're vetoing it they're they're kind of what do you call it boycotting it that's it right telling people not to watch it just made me think is that is i don't know what where is the line when you're making a biopic do you need i mean i get you definitely don't need people's permission i guess but is it okay is yeah it okay? very good question because you would have thought if you were doing something like that then the family of that person would be quite a a useful source 
Exactly. Imagine yeah. if you're ignoring them, then you're not really interested in getting a, a full picture of what they're like. From what you know, Vish, does it say anything about why they uh, don't want the movie being made? Let me see. I think it was literally because they heard it was being made. They tried to get in contact and they were just rebuffed and kind of told, we don't really want to work with you. We're okay, thanks. Let me see. Let me try and find a quote. I think it says here, yeah, family say they were cut out of the production process and asked fans to boycott it. We do not support this film and we ask that you do not support this film. Uh, we feel, we feel. so they say we feel there will be many inaccuracies about her life. Yeah. Who's, yeah. who's playing Aretha? Do we know? It is British actress Cynthia Erivo. Oh, not heard of, but British oh. Oscar Oscar nominee. There we go. Oh, that's good then. Interesting. That's a good question because I think I think it doesn't matter what the ultimately what the family want, but it would be entirely why I think it would just be good to know there were going to be loads of people throughout history that had we wanted the particular family approval before writing a book about them, say, would, we would never have had the book written and we would never have learned about them. But at the same time, if they're not being consulted, I guess, they, mm. they are a good source of information that would seemingly make it more accurate. So I guess it depends what they're going for, really. Yeah. yeah. I guess the, <clears throat> you obviously want to remember your loved ones positively and remember the good things about them, don't you? And you build this, you build a picture of them that's very positive. And I guess if there is anything negative in it, kind of taints that memory, doesn't it? But you make a good point, Phil, about remembering, you know, having things recorded. Who knows? I think it's probably all right. Yeah. And the majority of people watch things like that knowing that it's not necessarily based yeah. wholeheartedly. But... I, I remember... They made a film about Julian Assange. Uh, I think it was called The Fifth Estate. And Benedict Cumberbatch was playing Julian. This was before the recent shenanigans where he was, was he arrested? Julian wrote a letter, I think, to Benedict asking him not to play him in the film because he didn't think the way the film was going to portray him was going to be fair or accurate. And he, Benedict yeah. did it anyway. But I remember thinking, that's interesting, isn't it? We, we are fascinated by how... A desire, even if we don't say it and we don't consciously think it, we are fascinated by an impulse to control what the people around us think. And that extends yeah. to family members in these particular scenarios, doesn't it? <laughs> and you see it kind of on social media when you put your yeah. profile in a particular way, when you recount stories and kind of airbrush the bits where that don't make you look so good. And I think I would probably be similar if a family member that I loved, I felt someone was going to put a negative sure, trail yeah. across. But yeah. Yeah, we've had it with the Crown recently as well. I mean, the next Netflix show, The Crown, where the you know there was a a cry for it to be made clear that it was based on true events rather than being um, being an accurate reflection of of what happened. Um, so that's very interesting. That line between history and cinema, isn't it? Of people now could quite easily watch that, and because it is so accurate, you know, down to what they're wearing and and, and where things are happening actually you believe that it's happened in that way exactly and the character's feelings were in fact the feelings of the queen at the time yeah. um so it's a difficult line isn't it and interesting that that has come up as the seasons have got closer to the modern day so as the people who are mm. more of the people who are alive now are being portrayed yeah. in the story the more it seems the drive is oh don't forget it's not completely real but there we are there we are there we go. There we go. There we go. Just out of interest, this uh, uh, yeah. if they were making a biopic of your life, who would you have play the lead role? Oh, great the lead role. Oh man, um, who would be playing probably, you? That's you. Crikey, I I can't I can't think of a single person to be honest. I guess the only the only no what about I a married person really because. <laughs> they like I don't know any good like I don't know any Sri Lankan actors names and I feel like I could only choose a Sri Lankan actor because if I chose okay. someone like the guy who was in like Lion or Slumdog Millionaire you know he's not Sri yeah. Lankan <laughs> even though he's got the same colour of my skin 
it would be a bit, you know, a bit <laughs> okay. awkward. They've got to be Sri Lankan. What about yeah. Tom Hanks? Yeah, yeah. If if you get Tom Hanks, <laughs> go back through his family tree. I'm sure you'll. I'm sure you'll find it. What about you, Phil? Who play you? Oh, I, I was thinking. Oh, I know. I know. Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder. I was thinking. You know. Gene Wilder. Okay. In a, in a form, yeah. Previously, Gene Wilder Shrek. would be a good choice. Shrek. Shrek is a character, right? He's not an actor. I was I'm thinking sorry, more sorry. Idris Elba myself. <laughs> I know he's got a bit more. He's got a few more greys, but they could dye those out. So, uh, you, you, Ben. We all know. We all know. Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. Oh, yeah. Hugh Grant, it would Unless it's a comedy, a we'll have, we could. I think we could have. Um, I think Jack Whitehall would be could could work for a comedy <laughs> comedy version. That is true, actually. Jack Whitehall in Bad Education is Ben Monday to Friday. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, now that we've got that settled, it is time, I think, to uh, crack on. Right, we're now at the final stage of the podcast. We've thought about things we've changed our mind on. We've thought about things that are going on at the moment. Now it's time to think about things we would change. So, Vish, coming to you first, if there was one thing, a law, a cultural norm, anything that you would change to make the world a bit better, what would you change and why? I would change... Ofsted and how perhaps how it works. I'm I'm a, I'm guessing you'll have opinions on this as well, being two teachers. Ofsted. So when I, when the dreaded call comes and they say we're coming to your school tomorrow, you know, and it, it I, I think the general kind of state of the school then is one of fear and panic, isn't it? Mm. Just just rushing, having this undercurrent of oh my goodness. Um, and I don't think that's a very healthy, it's just not a very healthy way to, I think, monitor how well anything is going. How would I, I guess, how would I change it? I think, yes, well. you know, they're, they're just, they're, because they're so random, because it's just, it's just based on this one, it might just be one conversation, like they might just drop into your classroom and talk to you, and that could determine yeah. so much for your school. But it's just one moment in a day, you know, and and it can go so many different ways in a school the day. It's just really kind of terrifying. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I'd change it maybe by making it more about perhaps the school sending stuff to them, maybe make it more regular that we just send stuff to them. Like here's what we're doing. Hmm. Maybe building more of a culture of trust rather than a hmm. culture of yeah. there's this thing they've got recently the which I, i'm sure you've heard about the deep dives i guess it's not that recent anymore but basically if you're a subject leader like you're you're the guy in control of science at your school which i am you need to be knowledgeable about that subject throughout the year groups like i teach year four so i know about year four science but i've also got to know about year six science and five and so on and that's fine i think that's totally acceptable acceptable for me to like be expected to know that that's part of my job and i think a lot of the things officer do like i mean for example they they're they're, they're doing these deep dives where they kind of go really deep into one subject and ask you how do you assess how well the school is doing at this and how do you know that this is going well and all of this stuff and i see where they're coming from but it's just so terrifying to have to do it all in that one really pressured period of time i feel like there's got to be a better way Uh, yeah maybe it's fun more accurate go on phil no i was just gonna say just in terms of maybe unpacking the ofsted idea a little bit for listeners who may not know ofsted they are the they're basically the quality assurance body in the uk for schools so they come is it in in secondary it's every five years they they can come within every five years unless you are what's called an outstanding school and they will give you a rating on a scale of how good a school you are basically and they'll judge it as far as I can tell on their inspection which takes place over two days it might be slightly different Mm -hmm. in primary school so with the younger kids and I think that's very fair everything you said Vish because I was in when I was training Offset came in and I went into the staff room at lunchtime and said oh we've had the email I've had the email Offset are coming in tomorrow morning and yeah. it just panic just spreads. Mm. And you do just think, so that's how that's their metric of and I'm sure they have 
really thought through the the measurements they've got and the inspection kind of process they have but i think that's your metric of how good a school this is the exam results at the end of the year seemingly and how one particular subject or between one and three subjects really are doing according to the time you've spent over that 48 hour period and that can massively impact funding that the school is eligible for the amount of people who want to go to the school it's a really big thing isn't it yeah. Um, is that the I, same sort of thing in primary as it is in secondary? Is that sound yeah. fair? I mean, it's, and it becomes a, it becomes less like what the school actually is like because you suddenly think you need to change things when actually what you've been doing is fine. Yeah. But then, having said all this, I do pretty much agree that recently there has, I think, been a positive change in the way they do it, and there has been a move away from the focus on data, which seemed to seem to be the the main thing. It does seem that there is less of a focus now on that. I know that the one that I've been a part of last, well, two years ago now was, yeah, they didn't really care about the data. They very rarely even looked at it. And it was more about the children. And obviously, I think that's what we're saying. And I think they're heading in the right direction. But you're right. I think two days to get a, well, I don't know. Having said that, maybe two days is enough to get a taste of a school. You know, I think you'd be able to walk into a school quite quickly to know whether it needed support or didn't. But it's when you're looking at these differences in it, isn't it, between this good and outstanding? And, uh, yeah. It's quite, yeah. That really it needs to change. You know, you know how they got outstanding and then there's good, mm. but good is actually bad. Like, you don't want to get good, really. <laughs> like, <I> t- <laughs> you want to be outstanding and you want to be good, but then, and then what? Well, what's the next one? Requires improvement, special measures. Yeah. Inadequate, but yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not, but it's not much, not much leeway for anything in the middle, is it? No, <laughs> I just, yeah, I wish you could like, I wish it could be a case of, uh, just a bit more like, oh yeah, I've said like we talk yeah. to them every week. They're yeah. all right. Let's do what They're we do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. As opposed to once every five years, it's this terrifying like axe about to fall, and is it going to hit us or is it going to miss? Yeah. It kind of feels similar to, we talked not long ago about job interviews, the idea of saying the right things. And it will always happen when you've got a big bureaucracy and big organisations that are spending a lot of money and they've got a lot of resources enough to justify how they're used. But it does feel a little bit like that. You've got to use, you've got to structure things in the right way for how it scores with Ofsted. You've got to say things in the way that Ofsted want them to be said in order to get the good outcome. And I say that not being a head teacher, I've not been through um, an inspection as a head teacher and kind of seen everything. And I'm sure that generally speaking, the measures make sense when you look at them. I think it's just from the early kind of part of a teaching career and looking at it, it does feel like, is that how it's measured? It just seems a surprise, doesn't it? And I think that makes sense in a way of maybe more regular check-ins with less panic would be helpful. But yeah, that's a, that's a good idea, Vish. Mm-hmm. Go. Good thing to change. Phil, what about you? Anything you'd change? Short and sweet for me this week, boys. You'll be happy to hear. And also uh, relevant, given that Vish is here. So last year, we went uh, for Vish's stag. Before lockdown, we went to Edinburgh, which was great fun, and we watched lots of rugby. The Six Nations has just finished, and the thing I would change is linked to the Six Nations. I would introduce a relegation system because Italy are so they're so far behind all the other teams, it's boring. There's no point in tuning in. I've had enough. They've not won a game, right? Ben, you don't. You're not really interested in rugby, I don't think. Guess mm. where they play this tournament every year? There's five mm-hmm. games for each team. Mm. They play it annually. Guess when Italy last won a Six Nations game? Never. <laughs> no, they have. They've won four. I think oh, they've okay. won four they've in won four. twenty-one okay. years. Okay, let's say eighteen years. Oh, no, it's not that long ago. It's 2013. It's because it's 2013. Oh, they've had so many games since then. They've had so many games since then. And they're getting further behind. So I'd introduce a relegation system, get rid of them for a year if they're not good enough, let someone else come in and have a go. Let's go again. That's it. Why is the the Six Nations the Six Nations? Why can't there be another nation to swap in? Well, they changed. So it used to be the... I think it used to just be the British nation, so Ireland, Scotland, England, Wales. Then France joined in, and it was the five nations. And I think of 99, 2000, Italy joined in. 
and they've kept it that way. They've recently signed a deal annoyingly, which means what I would like to change will not change. They've recently signed a deal to keep it at six and the six that it currently is, but I would change that. And I think, I know that people who aren't interested in rugby, this means absolutely nothing to them, but just because the general principle of if there is no consequence for not being very good at something, there's no real incentive to get that much better at it. And I'm not saying that the Italian rugby team are not motivated to be better and to win games. But if every single year you can come last in a sporting competition and that's it, there's no real motivation to get better. And it's the same as anything else in that sense, yeah. isn't it? If there's no consequence for making bad decisions or there's no consequence for doing something really badly and then you just rinse and repeat, you're going to get the same good. outcome. I mean, are they are they making bad decisions or are they just trying their best and it's just not happening, you know? Is that a bit harsh, what you're saying? Maybe. Sometimes, sometimes your best isn't good enough, is it? Sometimes the, the real world is a harsh world. Sorry, Italy. Yeah. Italian the best rugby. is all you can do. There, there we are. are. That's it. How about you, Ben? What That's would you cool. change? Uh, no, not much. I, I'd change my mind. I would change... Um, my desire for Eddie Howe at Portsmouth to now be Danny Cowley. We'll have Danny Cowley, please. What, yeah. Right. What's happened here? This has taken, what, seven days? We've got Danny Cowley in as manager now. Oh, <laughs> oh I see. <laughs> so I'm taking him. I'm having him. Eddie didn't Eddie didn't respond to our call. So uh, we're having Danny. Next time, Eddie. Okay. So you've not changed Watch anything. You've just, kept it, you've just changed your mind on it. Uh. Yes, actually, you're, you're right. I'm just changing. Oh, yeah, it should have been at the start, shouldn't it? It's all Sorry. right, man. No, it's all right. Sorry, guys. It's fine. Please forgive me. Clearly structured, you know. You changed. You really nicked my didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, guys, I'm feeling it right. There we go. Is that it? That's it. Thanks for joining, guys. It's been a pleasure. The 10th episode. Um, if anyone responds to our tweet, then you would get a follow. <laughs> That's something to put in your scrapbook. I know, right? Yeah, take care, guys. Speak. Thank you for coming, Vish. It's been thanks, an absolute pleasure. Very much. Hang um, on, I think. Can you hear me, guys? Me, it's been great. Bye. Bye.